Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host and anti-pesto extraordinaire, Stephen Buja, and joining me, as always, my faithful servant, the guy who gets me out of all the trouble I get myself into, Mr. <laughs> Matthew Marchetti. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Although I somehow, I somehow think with our personalities, it's the other way around. As far as getting oh, out yeah. Of trouble things. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it's it's among the great comedic pairings of of all yes, time. Yes, <laughs> yes our, clearly our relationship is like that. Uh, what's what's been new with you? It's been a while since you know, we're back talking about best picture winners after our little foray into uh, pool party massacre land, which I have to say was a blast. People seem to love it. <laughs> no, it's it's been good. I'm just getting ready to go back to work. Unfortunately, next week, so the the doldrums are returning. But. I've been enjoying the last couple of weeks of uh, summer break and just, like I said, catching up on some movies and just enjoying enjoying the time I have. Yes, and uh, I, I know some people are wondering, how goes the uh, the thesis? Uh, the thesis at this point is I'm about 36 single-spaced uh, single pages in, which is probably closer to like 50 double-spaced, which is what they want it to be in. So uh, it's two chapters down. It's the 1950s and the 1960s means um, if I'm going to go for it all the way, I'll, I'll probably be writing up until the 2000s, maybe with a, with a short final chapter about 2010 to 2017. Uh, it's probably going to be close to 200 pages, and then so maybe like 250 total. So I'm, I'm trying to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you are. You try, And not only are you trying to write a book, you are trying to write a book by November, yep. and you're also doing this shenanigans. Yep. Okay. I'm glad to uh, I'm you know, I'm glad to give you a distraction I think. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's going well. It's I've gotten good feedback. I'm 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 excited about it. It's it's been a lot of fun. It is just a lot of work. Yes. As you would imagine. I <laughs> can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> all of us are pulling for you and we hope it goes well. Um this week a very fun movie. We are doing Wallace and Gromit: The Curse of the Were Rabbit, the Best animated feature from 2005, directed by Steve Box and Nick Park, starring the voices of Peter Salas, Rafe Fiennes, Helena Bottom, Carter, Peter Kay, Nicholas Smith, and many, many others. Marquette, this one was your choice, and I was wondering why Wallace and Gromit, of all the movies, mm. why this one? So there's a there's a it's a there are personal reasons and a pragmatic one. The, the sort of pragmatic one is that we hadn't done a lot of animated films so far and i just looked at the list and said hey we should do an animated film and as i scrolled down to look at the relatively small list i saw this film and it's uh, very near and dear to me as, as some of these are um and i just figured it'd be it would be fun to sort of continue the the fun we had last week into something else equally fun if not more fun so. yeah, we did uh, we did have fun last week yes. i had fun this week certainly watching this are you a Fan of Ardman Studios in particular and stop motion, you know, claymation uh, in general. Yes and yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you have a, a favorite Ardman uh, film or short? Uh, this one, this one is up there. I, I love Chicken Run. I loved uh, uh, Pirates. Came out a couple years ago, 2012, I think. Yeah. Um, flushed away it was yeah, I, I mean I like pretty much everything they done I, I wasn't a huge fan of Arthur Christmas that was a sort of joint venture they did with Sony Pictures animation um, it was very good I just not a huge Christmas fan admittedly <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 a Scrooge I got you. yeah yeah a little bit a little bit but yeah no I'm, I'm I am a fan I, I actually I probably would put this film um, at number one and we can get into why maybe a little bit Okay. Yeah. Well, we we will certainly do that. But first and foremost, Matt, guess what we have this week? What do we have? We have questions from our listeners. I know. First of all, I was surprised. I'm like, I thought only my mom and dad listened to us, but no. <laughs> we got some uh, guys on Twitter asking us uh, questions, both about the Oscars and claymation films in general. We'll start with the one. A question from Gordon Cole at K Bailey Java Two. What other claymation animated films do you think deserves to win the best animated Oscar? And do you think the Academy should do a better job rewarding claymation? Yeah. That 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 second part, I would say that's an easy yes. 
I think that they should, considering the amount of time that goes into the craft of these things. I think the film we're discussing today, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, took about five years to put together, um, which is stunning. And we talked about Lawrence of Arabia being this huge adventure, but imagine uh, working on a film where you only have about three seconds of usable film every single day you work on it. Um, that's like daunting to the point of I just want to I just want to go to sleep. When I hear that. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it is an intimidating, intimidating prospect. I'm, I'm reminded of the uh, the scene from Parks and Recreation when Adam Scott gets really into claymation. He spends like two weeks of unemployment and he makes like a second of film. Yes. And he's like, "What happened? What did I do?" It's it's so long and arduous. Yeah, um, yeah uh, and to the uh, to the second part, uh, are there particular claymation animated films you're like yes that should have won over whatever came out that year oh, I'd, have to, I'd have to think about specifics as far as the winning part um you know some of the recent stuff uh that uh studio Leica made a Coraline Paranorman we talked a little bit about Kubo and the two strings yeah those aren't traditional claymation it's stop motion but it's done with some um really sophisticated assistance um fantastic Fantastic Mr. Fox we talked about as well. You talked about that a little bit. Um, there's one that's on the tip of my tongue. About the um, oh, Ma- Marion Max from I think it was like 2000, late 2000s, early 2010, maybe 2009. Oh, I am. Un- the one about like the friendship. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, unfamiliar with that one at all. I think it's on Netflix. Huh. Um, wrong i think i feel like i've seen it there before and i watched it recently and i don't own it so i feel like that's the only way i would have seen that it's a really like touching film about just a relationship between two sort of unlikely characters it's really beautiful oh. Um, oh, i don't think that had as much sort of um as many accolades as it, it could have. I mean, philip seymour hoffman did some of the voices tony collette did the voices so wow. you know it, it it deserved it um and there was one more i was thinking of that wasn't oh yeah i know it was it's that guy from the Czech Republic. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he he did like an Alice the, in Wonderland riff called oh. Alice. That like it's like live action and stop motion. It's horrifying. <laughs> Some, like, cool. Maybe late '80s. Yeah, I think it's just called Alice. It is really scary. My brother and I, brother-in-law and I, watched it together, and we were just like fever dreams. Like, it was, <laughs> like it was what is happening? <laughs> but it was but it was also beautiful. So um, those mm-hmm. would be two that stand out to me. Yeah. Two you know two lesser known maybe. Yeah. The uh, I've noticed that um, like they d- the claymation it gets a lot of nominations like Fantastic Mr. Fox and Coraline you know mm. they got you know big you know big nom- big nominations they also had the unfortunate um, distinction of being released against some like really good movies for instance uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox was going up against Up and like I mm. love uh, I love Up I it's um, it's fantastic and I like I think. Fantastic Mr. Fox is so great, but it's not up, which is which is a shame, right. uh, which is a damn shame. And I'm very much looking forward to Isle of Dogs, the new one by Wes Anderson, which is another stop motion, yeah. cheeky humor oh, thing, yes. thing and whatnot. <laughs> um, I like. I would love them to give it more. The Academy to give it more, uh, a better job rewarding. But there are just. It comes down to there are just so many more CGI films. Like I was, I was looking at the just the animated movies that came out this year, and it's fucking ridiculous. And this oh, yeah. was in two thousand five, before we had like really, thing, yeah, it's it's got it's got really huge. Like some of these some of these movies, they they might not even be an, like CGI animated. They're just like they just can pump them out because it's much cheaper now. And like as much as we want to reward effort. We ultimately have to reward the finished product. It's yep. like it's like okay, so Boyhood, you shot it over twelve years. Like, is it a good movie? Uh, maybe we appreciate what you did with it, but it ultimately comes down to what the final product is. And a lot of the times, like the CGI films, you could they have they're very very good final products, and it yep. and it's a, it's definitely a competition. I would love to see more people tackle claymation and stop motion because the the work is meticulous and. It's always you know great to hear about them, but ultimately I think uh, I think they do as at best the job they can. It's just I think a lot of the animation department of the academy is now heavily in favor of CGI animators and artists, and that is going to definitely skew it towards more of that 
I like like personally, I would love to see more claymation and traditional animation get nom get nominated and not only nominated but win. But I don't think that's going to happen. But the way technology uh, is nowadays, unfortunately, it's like silent silent movies. Like we don't really need them anymore, so they just they went away. Yeah, yeah. And our second uh, our second uh, question is from Al Robinson at Al Rob underscore M N. He says, "Going into the fall season, this is a current. This is we're talking current." Uh, what do you see as the upcoming best picture front runner that will release in theaters between September and December? Have you even oh. been paying attention to upcoming movies? <laughs> I mean, we're so, so, yeah, we're, we're so used to looking like, in the past. We're like, typing to see what's coming up. Like, release twenty seventeen. <laughs> uh, you got it. Do, do, do you know anything? Are there any like cheeky horror films? You're like that should win best picture. I don't know off the top of my head. I feel bad. I, I'm always bad when it comes to Oscar season. Just well, I'm bad, but it's with a purpose. I typically, I like to get wrapped up in it a little bit, but I know I'm going to miss out on a bunch of the films just living where I live. So I don't get too excited about it because I know I'm not going to be able to see a lot of them. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate. I mean, I'll see them eventually. Um, so my Oscar season is usually like April of May and May of the following year. <laughs> so I'll catch <laughs> up on like everything um, because that's when they start to come out on home video. Um, and as much as I try to go to the theater, I typically watch a lot more at home just because because um, I like it. I can yeah. take a break to go to the bathroom and not miss anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's honestly like one of the biggest things for me. No, I, I hear you there. Um, it, it'd be one. <laughs> it would be a movie that I'm like really excited for. I, I don't think it's going to be nominated for anything big as far as just the way the Academy represents horror films in the past. Um, but I'm really excited for them to sort of do that that novel justice. As much as I love the miniseries, I just feel like this is the right time for right. it. You know, Stranger Things is so freaking popular. The second season's coming in October, and it is just a riff on Stranger Things, and or Stranger Things is a riff on it in a lot of ways. So I'm just really hoping they get it right. And I feel like if they got the material right to a point, it could be Oscar worthy for a horror film. And, and we have we have had horror films in the past that have been nominated and, and won for yes, um, Academy Awards. So we, uh, we we have indeed. It's like you know what I love the 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 first half of the miniseries part one is I think one of the scariest things ever. Uh, yeah. A lot a lot has to do with Tim Curry as um what's the what's the clown's Pennywise. name Pennywise. Then the second half is where it falls apart. So I'm I'm hoping they're able to either keep it as just the kids or find a way to make the uh, the the adult half work better in yeah. this movie. But as for front runners to the Oscars, uh Mr. Mr. Al Robinson, I got to say there are two that are on my radar. And my, I have a very I have very bad radar. You're better off with more respectable sites like Next Best Picture. They're younger guys who can get out to the movies and they see a lot of movies and they talk about this stuff all the time. But uh, there are two. There's Call Me By Your Name, which is written and directed by James Ivory of uh, Merchant Ivory fame. The dude's 90 or 80 or 90 something years old. Uh, it's uh, supposedly an incredible film about uh, this um, gay couple back in the, you know, way back in like World War One era. Because mm. it's a costume, because it's James Ivory. It's got to be a costume drama, you know. Uh, and you know he's uh, never won, so he's very, very long overdue for that. He's sort of a titan of the industry. But uh, for my money, at least on paper, number one film to look for, and of course the front runner is rarely ever the actual winner. It is Steven Spielberg's The Papers, about the uh, Pentagon Papers leak back in the seventies, mm. starring Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, written by the guy who wrote Spotlight. Uh, if that's not a pedigree worth like noticing, I don't know what is the film. I think it's just finishing up. It has a release date, end of September, uh, end of de December. It doesn't have a poster yet. It's just like no. it's one of those movies that's going to be uh, probably very good because it's Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, two of the greatest actors of all time, combined Oscars up the wazoo, and just extremely timely for what we are going through in this world. So for my money, at least sight unseen that's uh that's where my money would go for uh the upcoming academy awards i look forward to talking about the upcoming academy awards when they finally have a winner and we can talk about that movie mm -hmm. but that is neither here nor there that is for the future we are going to take a break and when we come back we're going to discuss the past oscars in 2005 
specifically the animated category. So do stick around. Oh, oh, oh this is like, actually, we've got a little thing uh, yeah. just to uh, match the old bow ties for coordination. We just happen to bring them along, just yeah. in case. Just want to give a great big thank you to Helena Bottom Carter and, and particularly to Peter Salis, who has been the voice of Wallace. He's here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, at the Oscars. He's, he's, he's been the voice of Wallace for the last 23 years, and you've been an absolute gem, Peter, and you've sparkled all the way. Also, thank you to Jeffrey Katzenberg and DreamWorks, who also sparkle, and uh, they've been a great support to this very personal film of ours. And just the whole crew back in Bristol, England, at Ardman Animations, thank you so much. You're great. And a little message from Steve. Somebody once said, if you make a bad film, you make it alone. If you make a great film, everybody made it with you. We all made it together, guys. Cracking cheese, Gromit. Watson Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbits. It took home Best Animated Feature at the 2005 Academy Awards. We spoke about that year's winner, Best Picture winner, that is, Crash, uh, in our <laughs> second episode with uh, former co-host Alex Riviello. And I do have to say that movie is terrible, but we had a lot of fun talking about it. Do check it out in the archives if you are so inclined. Uh, I would love to ask Mr. Matt Marchetti what else it was nominated for, but sadly, the film was just nominated for the one, so it at least had a 100% win rate. Yeah, Got to appreciate that. It is the only stop-motion animated film to ever win. Uh, all the rest, with the exception of Spirited Away, have been CGI films. Very, uh, very wow. strange. Yeah, well, yeah, we have nothing but CGI films from now wow. on. Yeah, that's a... Uh, I don't know how I feel about that actually. Yeah, not great. Not great. <laughs> not, not, yeah, I just I wish this category had been around earlier, back yeah. when, so you could have gotten a little more variety. You could have had the Disney Renaissance, like all those movies, just cleaning house, and just all that. But anyways, um, it did still have to win out over some competition. What was? What were those films? Yeah, so the two films that were also nominated that year were uh, Tim Burton and Mike Johnson's uh, Corpse Bride. And then uh, you had mentioned Spirited Away earlier, so I think it was the film uh, Miyazaki did right after Spirited Away, or not right after, but a couple years after Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, mm -hmm. which is interesting because both of those movies are like, they're good, but they're sort of like kind of pale imitations of movies that these guys had done before, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I think The Corpse Bride is a lot of fun, but it just feels like Tim Burton being Tim Burton, and Howl's Moving Castle is also really fun, but it's just, it's not spirited away. <laughs> it's not spirited <laughs> it, it, away. It's not, it's not Mononoke. It, right. Yeah, it's, they're, they're fine. This was when Tim Burton just started, just, I think, just stopped caring. He, I haven't liked really any of his movies since, I think, most, like, most of Big Fish I don't know. He's just it's, I, he's lost his way somehow. And uh, Howl's Moving Castle, while beautiful, is I think it's a it's a mid tier Studio Ghibli film, which is uh, which is a shame. So I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm like I'm gonna have to say that Wallace and Gromit I think is definitely the strong uh, it makes a strong case for itself among that competition. Surprisingly, you know, uh, animated I think for a time was only three. It has since been expanded to five, but it could also be one of those categories that can jump back and forth depending on how they feel. This year could be three because there's not a lot of great animated movies coming out this year. The only one I can really think of that made any impression, I believe it was Cars 3, and even then, that's <laughs> Cars 3 and, and whatnot. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm just very surprised uh, that this was... There were a lot of other movies that came out this year, CGI films, but... I think this is maybe like one of the last last years where no CGI film was ever nominated for best animated feature, which I you know is kind of kind of cool, kind of cool in yeah. in 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 my mind. Although there is one animated film I would have loved a CGI animated film that I would have loved to have been nominated, but that could just be the the, the fanboy in me because we are going to talk about the other animated films of 2005, of which there are many, many I have never even heard of before. But do you have a list? In front of you. I mean, I have an insane, <laughs> insanely long list of yeah, exactly. It's just stuff that <laughs> I've never, I've never ever heard of. Um, well, what are some of the ones you have heard of? Like some of the big, big ticket items. I honestly feel it's funny that you. So you you say that it was a, it was a big year, and I, and I I completely agree with you. But I'm only really seeing 
like one or two others that maybe stood out to me. Maybe it's just because I don't know what they are. I'm sure that they were good. I just don't know what they are. <laughs> um, I feel like I feel like there was a Winnie the Pooh movie. Uh, yep. uh yeah, the the heffalump was that yep. year. Yep, <laughs> like that heffalump. That's Huge. one. <laughs> and then the only other one I when I was looking up, the only other one that stood out to me was the um, uh, the Final Fantasy. Yes, VII. that's the one I, I love. Advent Children. Yeah. God, I love that movie so much. Badass. Oh, it's so it's it's all right. You know what? I want to say it's a lot like this past episode of Game of Thrones. Beautiful. Does it make a lick of sense? Nope. Do I care? Nope. It's awesome. <laughs> it's yep. so awesome. I love it. But there were a bunch of other films. There was uh, Chicken Little. There was this terrible Red Riding Hood movie called Hoodwinked. Uh, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, which I, I saw ads for that. I'm like, that looks like a hot piece of garbage. I think it did. I, I, don't, I think it died on the vine. This is a good thing. Uh, there was a great little movie called Robots starring Ewan McGregor. It was kind of like, all right, that's that's neat. And, of course, the Madagascar franchise got started uh, that year as well. I Also, I didn't know they made a sequel to both Emperor's New Groove, Tarzan, and Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm. All three came out that year, and I imagine a direct-to-video sort of deal for Disney. Slumming it. They, you know, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta keep that IP going. Or no, sorry, Kronk's new groove is DreamWorks. I think that's that would be DreamWorks because they were that was like one of the best. Was, in my mind, that's one of my favorite t- traditional animated films. I just the Emperor's New Groove is just fantastic. Yeah, it's very funny. It's it's really great. Um, if you have another movie from 2005 that you're like, hey, what about this one? Please write to us at OscarWatchPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So that's all we have for this particular segment. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are finally going to discuss Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. We can brainwash the bunnies. <laughs> Rabbit rehabilitation. What's cured of their antisocial veg-ravaging behavior? The rabbits can be safely released without fear of reoffending. Just a little added lunar power to enhance the mind waves. And we can begin. Veg bad. Veg bad. Veg bad. Say no to carrots. Cabbage. Matt, for those who do not know, what does IMDb say? The plot synopsis to Walls and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit is. It's fun to read these words in order sometimes. <laughs> uh, it says... Wallace and his loyal dog, Gromit, set out to discover the mystery behind the garden sabotage that plagues their village and threatens the annual giant vegetable growing contest. <laughs> I'd have to say that is a very concise and to-the-point summary of yeah. the of the film. I That sounds like Steve Box and Nick Park, the directors, and I believe writers as well, wrote that. <laughs> for Could this. be, yeah. Why not? Yes, um... So, uh, how familiar with the Wallace and Gromit series are you? Like, uh, uh, it's a bunch of short films. I know that. Yeah, from. yeah. Um, when I so when I saw this film, I knew of them, but I had probably only seen. Well, <laughs> there's so there's like there was like three short films that preceded this one: uh, Grand Day Out, The Wrong Trousers, and A Close Shave. Mm-hmm. So I, I had seen all three of them, and I was like, there, surely there must be more. But because stop motion is so time consuming, there was only those three sort of central shorts at the time. They have made a, they have made one subsequently after uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit in 2008. So when I saw it, I didn't think I was that familiar with them. But in reality, I had I guess seen all of the uh, short <laughs> films that had existed at the time. So I guess I was very familiar uh, with them. <laughs> <laughs> Strange, strangely, yes. Yeah, I find uh, that. I've, I haven't seen all the shorts. I saw... Was there one they went to space? Did they go to space? Yeah, that's, the, that's the first one, Grand Day Out. Yeah, Grand Day Out, yeah, because I think 
Wallace wanted to get some cheese from the moon. Yeah, they go to the moon. <laughs> because and he just invents a rocket ship because uh I I I enjoyed them but this is one of those it's a kind of animation and the kind of characters and the story they tell that just feels very timeless to me. It's like oh yeah, like it's, it's Wallace and Gromit. I don't know why I know that name, but I do. They're they're so very uh like a, a very iconic in the in the English uh uh, across the pond, I would I would imagine they're just they're just so they're so delightful. A lot of that I think has to do with uh, the animation style, the character design. I think Matt Groening said, you know, if you can recognize a character, you know, good good design is recognizing a character in silhouette, and I I feel like you can recognize Wallace and Gromit pretty pretty well in silhouette here. Um, mm-hmm. To me, it's the it's the eyes that make it. The CG, CGI eyes are great; they can be very detailed. But the eyes here in Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit are so damn expressive. <laughs> and they're, the, my favorite is, of course, Gromit, who, like, his eyebrows do all the talking for him. It's like the, I love that little, like, the, that scowl he gives yes. and, like, his, <laughs> his very frustrated face <laughs> with, with whatever does. Wallace is doing. He's, he's, he's just great. I, I love that. I love, the, uh, I love the whole cheeriness of this um, of this movie, so um, okay, I'm not the biggest classic horror guy, but um, I know you have seen a thing or two in the past. Maybe, maybe is how does this fit with the classic horror mold of things? Like, is it a very is it a very good Wolfman riff? Yes, yes, it is. And and to the first question, it it fits very well into that mold. I think. I think that. Um, Arvin Studios is really going for, you know, I, I think they were, I think people automatically assumed they were, they were going for a, um, universal monster sort of appeal, but in reality, they're, they're really more aping, uh, Hammer Studios in the late fifties, early sixties into the seventies, the very gothic, foggy, it's just that Hammer Studios was aping universal, <laughs> so it, they sort of blend together. But in my opinion, watching it again, it's definitely like a Hammer riff because it just feel, you know, the, the sort of old, uh, you have England cemeteries, things like that. It just feels perfect. And this is what I was sort of alluding to earlier as far as the uh, my sort of um, affection for this movie is that it, it, it riffs very lovingly on horror films, particularly like werewolf films. Um, and that was sort of what really appealed to me when I went to go see it three times in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's, it's just, I think it does it so well. It, it feels like, a comedy, but it also sort of feels like a horror film. I think Nick, uh, I think Nick Park and Steve Box have described it as the first vegetarian horror animated horror film of all time. I believe is what they've what they've just named up it. And I just, I, I think I came for the jokes, and I just stayed for the the great atmosphere they they sort of put out in this thing. So. Yeah, it does. It has that. It you know what it, it you know remind me of a, a, another great riff on um like in uh, another great riff on old sci-fi remind me of Hot Fuzz I uh, no, not Hot not Hot Fuzz um actually no yeah Hot Fuzz yeah yeah, yeah sorry yeah, sorry I, yeah I, I immediately was shaking my head like yep it yep, feels yep. just like that <laughs> like a uh, uh, Hot Fuzz with an air of uh, World's End to it just mm-hmm. you know great little um odes and uh, homages to the uh, the the old the old timey horror but it still it still manages there. Are, the, during one of what spoiler alert people wallace is actually the were rabbit kudos to the film though they kept you guessing they did they were very clever they played the cards very close to the their chest they made you they like were able to convince me to like oh maybe it is just this rabbit who is yeah. hulking out at night but no wallace is but um to the point wallace is the were rabbit uh he has uh his first major transformation scene uh, I think is actually very well done and very spooky and terrifying. He's a were rabbit, so it's just by its nature hilarious because you know he's not you know because nobody nobody dies. It's, you just get this carnage of 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 veg as uh, the the villagers the villagers caught. <laughs> that's call, the gore. That's gore, which which is so it's so wonderfully fun and uh, it's the kind of movie I'm looking forward to showing my daughter. Uh, when she's a bit a bit older and can actually look at screens because it's you know not like it's it's a good introduction to horror films and the tropes thereof you know the villagers you have the the 
kind of love interest. You have this monster that's actually the person. The person is, has to like hunt himself, and they don't know it. It's it's mm-hmm. it's really brilliant. It hits all the the very right notes. I gotta say, the script is uh, very well done. It's the movie runs eighty four minutes or something like that. So it's definitely, I think, the shortest film we may ever talk about here. And it's there's not a there's not a wasted scene. Everything runs just very very smoothly very great um for it and a lot of that has to do with the vo- the voice acting um you have um peter salas who recently passed away at the age of 91 i believe yeah really recent i didn't realize that yeah yeah really who you know voiced wallace for uh, all the shorts all the shorts he's great gromit doesn't have a voice but um do you have an mvp uh, most valuable voice performer out, uh, out of this one because for me it's kind of hard <laughs> to pick well i mean my my personal favorite character in the film is is the is the sort of bizarro wallace the hutch character that peter Stalin. Uh, wait hold on one second you're you're that up. hold on you're 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 sounding a little weird am i sounding weird no you sound fine no you just you just got all kind of weird shaky and stuff hold on you sound fine now yes you do F three nine H two three nine. Okay, uh, start up again. Um, Maybe I was just aroused. Oh, that 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 works. <laughs> All right. So, uh, favorite uh, favorite voice. Yeah. Start on. Yeah. So, I have sort of. Uh, I guess I'm cheating a little bit. I have two two favorites. I, I particularly love the the Hutch character, which is sort of the reverse were rabbit. It's like the rabbit and wallace combined where it's a <laughs> rabbit becomes more like a human being which i love the character and i love the voice for it. it's just peter salas sped up um but it just makes me laugh it's like someone inhaling helium in a balloon and talking <laughs> it always is funny to me i just think it's great um i'd have to say it i mean it, it, it's back and forth between between ray fines and Helena bottom carter because they're both playing sort of in, in strange ways against type um particularly Helena Bonham Carter, who plays this sort of, like, you know, nice, happy female character, and she's not this, like, evil witch. <laughs> she's <laughs> yeah. a lovely person, and it's really funny to hear her voice do that. Um, Ray Fiennes, of course, plays this sort of, like, uber-masculine um, hunter-type character, yet he's really not masculine at all. <laughs> he's actually this, like, super sissy, so it's yeah. also funny to hear him play a not-really-tough character. Um I don't know. That's a that is a weak answer, but I sort of like a lot of the voices. Sort of yeah. The whole thing, right? Yeah. Uh, I I do have an affinity for uh, Ray Fiennes, Victor Quartermain. Um, yeah, as a yeah. sort of an homage to the uh, Alan Quartermain novels from the 19th century, I believe. And I I always do wonder why don't we have more Alan Quartermain movies in our lives? I feel like we really should. But um, I, like honestly, my favorite is Nicholas Smith as the uh, the vicar. Uh, who I swear was both modeled after and voiced by John Hurt until I saw the credits. I was like, what? Because uh, he's just, he gets everyone in a tizzy. He, for whatever reason, has he has that big book of like monsters that just explains the were-rabbit yep. and how to kill it. Yeah. The compendium, and he has three golden bullets, like, just in case. I feel like the film was like... Ready to go. Feel, the film was like, yep, we know we know what we're doing. We're having fun. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I loved his performance um, just just so much. It's, it's, it is nice to hear Ray Fiennes, because I feel like Ray Fiennes, he gets typecast into, like, gruff roles, so when he has something like this or the Grand Budapest Hotel... Where he gets to like have a little bit of fun, it's 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 not it's it, I think I think he must really enjoy enjoy playing uh playing against type like that. It just it's 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 a blast. Um, the com- the script is very tight. The comedy is great. What makes me want to uh, go back and check this out is that there are so many little sight gags and little off little, little things of humor that I just just had God. me dying uh my favorite i think is when they're when they're looking in the in the compendium of monsters they have the loch ness monster and its latin name is taurus trappus like they have me i'm I'm dying there i'm just it's so it's so it's just it's it's just this little thing and kids might not get it but it just had me cracking up so much because like they 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 they, 
frames of this film are just so filled with uh filled with humor and and are there uh are there any like little easter egg things that you found in this to be particularly like humorous or memorable yeah yeah there's there's i think two i mean there's some like really broad stuff with the uh uh sort of king kong riff at the end of the movie during the climax um there's a sort of like jaws reference uh during the church scene where the uh, i forget i think it's the old man character or is it quarter man I can't remember. One of the characters basically acts like Quint from Jaws. He like sort of gets everyone's attention. I thought that was fun, uh, a lot of fun actually. One that was really neat, and I I don't think I had, I don't think I knew it at the time when I had first seen the film. But the um, the giant carrot sign that falls down on top of their car, the store is Harvey's, um, from the movie Harvey, I believe, right, 1950, um, which is great. And then my absolute favorite is that in the um in the graveyard of the churchyard scene, uh, there is a statue of the demon from the exorcist, the Zuzu, like really blatantly there, but oh, really? not so blatant. If, yeah. If, if you're not looking for it. Uh, and I, I had, I knew it was there and I had just rewatched the exorcist. So I was like, I have to see it. And it's, it's like right there. You just aren't paying attention to it because you're watching all the other things that are happening. So that one's my all time favorite. Just because it's really, it's really slick and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> Oh yeah, those are my faves. For sure. Uh one of my yeah. I, you know what I you know what I love? I love deliberate almost fourth wall breaks in any action movie. Like anytime somebody like there's a big action scene and they have to get into an elevator and like everything stops, the girl from Ipanema's playing. I love that kind of things. And th- there was a scene at the end when Gromit and uh I think Phil the dog or whatever the dog's name is. Philip? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Philip <laughs> Philip and they're <laughs> They're fighting in this like goofy plane thing, and then it just it needs more quarters, and they both stop, and they're like r- rooting around in their pockets for change, like completely aware that like they're just like they're in the middle of a fight. But oh, it just had me dying. Just that it was just cut so perfectly. <laughs> I just yeah, that's, that's uh, the funniest part. That's, that's my that's my all time favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's and there's there, little change. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's just so dainty. He's so he's so prim and proper. Oh, it's great. <laughs> so, um, the film the film is sort of predicated on the uh, on just like a lot of rabbits, you know, getting into the the veg of the town. Wallace and Gromit have decided to take it upon themselves to become uh, like pest control. Wallace, being a great inventor, he has devised all sorts of these very humane traps. And whatnot to keep the rabbits out at night. Um, do you think Wallace's plans are sustainable? That's a good question. Well, no, because the, the, the keeping the rabbits in the house clearly is, is becoming an issue. And I think they mentioned it that there's like not enough room for it, and that's that's sort of nicely wrapped into the finale of the film, which is nice. So, no, I mean, I I'm I, I'm not going to go out there and say we got to boost all the pests and vermin in the world, but particularly not rabbits. Um, and I would be the first person to say, like, let's keep them. No, actually, <laughs> my wife would be the first person to say, let's keep them in the basement, in little cages. Um, but no, and, and, and that's, that part's great because they're like, they get to be humane and, and audiences get to go like, oh, they're doing the right thing. But they also sort of get to address the fact that this can't last forever. We need to do something different. Something needs to change with that. And that's to me the, the sort of hallmark of a, a good film when they can do all these crazy things, make you laugh, do all these ridiculous horror references, but then still sort of tell a story that can sort of work on all these different levels. I think that that's great. Yeah. As as much as we are supposed to not like Victor Quartermain, he does have a point. Like at some point you gotta stop yeah. you gotta start popping these things off. Like the I know you know, Lady Toddington has a uh, as a bunny factory, has a bunny farm. By the end of it, like a bunny sanctuary, but like they will fuck up some vegetable gardens. Like they will run amok. Oh, yeah. They are slightly bigger than rats, uh, essentially, and they need yep. to be they need to be kept in check. And you know what? A cull can be very good for the population. Just look at deer, man. Like you need to shoot those things sometimes because they will—they'll mess up an ecosystem, and that's what rabbits do. So, Wallace, we appreciate your your efforts, but man, you're just like you're sinking all this money 
into this into the into these efforts here and uh it could uh, like it like like it does in the movie it does come back to bite you not literally but you start biting things and it's just uh, it's yeah. <laughs> it's unsustainable what do you th- what do you think of some of wallace's uh inventions oh they're they're hilarious they remind me of um like honey ash Wrinkle kids and some of the weird stuff in i want to say back to the future just those sort of like homemade type pieces that'll help you get ready in the morning and they they, they always work like 80 <laughs> percent of the way and i like that they they sort of know that they're only going to work eighty percent of the way, like so they always have they always have fail safes to fix things because they know that it's like it. But that's what's great about Wallace's character. His imagination is so it's so vast um, that he almost comes across as ignorant sometimes. I think he's always thinking about the next thing. Sometimes people I think misrepresent him. They think oh he's he's sort of stupid. He's not stupid. Look at the stuff he puts together. It's just that he doesn't he doesn't like complete what he's putting together. He always sort of like half asses it. Um, and I think that that's great about it, that he's sort of this, like, mad scientist, um, but not quite as effective as he wants to be. <laughs> I think that's what's great about it. That's pretty great. <laughs> I, I, do, I, I do love his, yeah. the, like, the whole Rube Goldberg thing in the morning and how, like, you know, he gets stuck. But sure enough, Gromit just hits the lever and the hammer comes down and, like, pops yeah. him through the hole. It's, it's like, he is... He's, He's he is a clever man. I don't know if he's a smart man, but you know he's got a boundless imagination, which I think is missing in a lot of films. It's just it's just it's just fun to see how these contraptions work. It's like the just the yeah. the slide down. Like I want like I kind of want that stuff. You slide down, you get into your clothes, and you're out the door in thirty seconds, just onto the call. Like that's, that's it's 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 so it's so amazing. It's just a lot of. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I got, uh, I got, I got no more questions. You got anything else you want to talk about uh, for Wallace and Gromit? Well, you, you mentioned, and I, again, I, I kind of fall back. The, the movie's, the movie's funny, people. It's really funny. If you watch it and and don't laugh, um, then you probably just don't like comedy to a point. Like, but it, it's it's objectively a really funny film. Um, and I, but I keep coming back to the the horror references. You talked about. Um, Wallace's transformation earlier um, being really sort of true to the genre and it is pretty like it's intense and it's really well done it's very dramatic um, and the, the sort of spoiler that it is Wallace is the were-rabbit and you said that they, they do they play it close to the chest which I think is the right way to do it there's some red herrings but I think even better uh, the movie's 84 85 minutes long they only wait till about halfway through to tell you that he's the were-rabbit they don't they don't play that so so far out that you don't find out to like 70 minutes in because then as an adult and probably even as a kid your suspension of disbelief is just stretched way too thin and it's not going to work anymore so i always like when they all right we know it's we know he's the way rabbit and now the rest of the conflict is trying to sort of get him back trying to protect him all these other things and i think that that's really effective um and it just it works really well in the movie because i kept thinking i was rewatching and i went Man, they're gonna they're gonna do this thing. They're gonna. It's very obvious it's him. Blah blah blah. And then it's gonna be the end. And but I was like, no, it's forty something minutes in, and now we find out. So like, okay, now where does the movie go from here? And I'm always sort of impressed when movies can surprise you to a point. Like sometimes you get so used to formula that when there's a slight tweak to the formula, it just works really wonderfully. And I think that's one aspect that works really well, particularly playing on horror tropes. So uh, that part's great. Yeah. It does work well because it gets it out of the way and allows you to focus on the relationships Wallace has between the uh, the other characters like Toddy and Quartermain and even Gromit. Um, there's mm-hmm. th- there's you know there's the, there's the great scene where Wa- uh, Wallace is half transformed. He has big ears and he has to like sort of play you know just like get Toddy away from the door so she doesn't find out and it's 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 rather it's rather brilliant and it also helps solidify the conflict that Wallace and Quartermain have going after you know cuz they're both after after Toddy the Campanula or right. whatever, whatever her name is and you know it reinforces that that love triangle it's actually very it's very brilliant and very tightly scripted all things considered but 
still paying homage to the uh, the old the old tropes, but but not being so strictly focused on the plot and who is the who is the werewolf. It's not it's not that movie. It's like it's pretty obvious. Right. It's going to be Wallace. They again they do make you leave you guessing. They have that great scene where uh, Gromit has to make the. Uh, the cage for Hutch, only to discover that wait, no, it's actually yeah. it's actually Wallace who is the uh, the were rabbit, and they, they oh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 play, it's played brilliantly, and I got I got to hand it to the to, to the writers of this film. They crafted a great little uh, horror movie slash comedy that, uh, as, as I said before, is a great introduction to I think both. If you wanted to give some show somebody a good comedy, you can show them this. If you wanted to show somebody a horror movie for the first time and like ease them into what to expect, the kind of tropes that you know uh, have occurred throughout the uh, you know cinematic uh, history of the genre, you, you would do you could do way worse than um, uh, Wallace and Gromit: Curse of the Were, yeah. and and definitely probably not not much better. Like this is a this is a solid a solid movie all around. Uh, I th- yeah. I think so. Um, we uh, we're coming to the end, and the question we do have to ask, as always, is: Did Wallace and Gromit: Curse of the Were Rabbit deserve the title of best picture, best animated feature? Yes, and I I think for all the things we've talked about, that that's all in play here. But to me, what really um, makes this film a winner is that it just sort of has this like boundless joy and like imagination to it and creativity that's always on display that it's sort of just infectious in that way and and you had said just not that long ago that you know we sort of need more of that the sense of imagination the sense of just, just of joy and sort of like to watch something that yes there's conflict and it's resolved but just something that's very very like human in a really positive way and i think maybe you know watching it in 2005 i didn't think this all that much but with all the bullshit that's going on in the world and the country right now, to sit down and watch something like this and just to laugh for an hour and a half <laughs> is really nice. Like I think I slept beautifully last night after watching it because I just, you know, it just sort of feels. There's something about this movie that has this great feel to it, and that's it's all different parts of it working together. But there's something about that that joy on display that the filmmakers clearly were making something they loved, and you can see it in every frame of this thing. Um, that makes it sort of timeless. And like you said, if you if you had asked me, you know, at a random moment what, when the Wallace and Gromit cartoons were made, I probably could tell you, I, I might say anywhere between like 1970s to 2000, because you don't really know. They're set in this sort of ambiguous time, and I think you said earlier that they sort, they sort of feel timeless. And I'd like to say that, you know, watching this movie 12 years after it came out, it still feels timeless in a lot of ways um you know biased because i'm a horror fan but still very timeless i think yeah very well said matt marchetti uh definitely deserved uh best animated feature i think it's among one of the like the best animated feature uh category is very stacked in favor of great movies there are an obscene amount of very good films in there uh i gotta say like we have we've seen a bunch this is one of the best ones and it may uh, like i'm curious to see what happens when we've seen them all and can look back and go uh and like mm. and rate them and see what ones may and maybe best this is certainly better than some of the uh, many of the actual best pictures we have seen it does have this this yes. timelessness uh this this humor this this optimism there's no nobody gets hurt people get you know run out of town or humiliated but nobody dies there's no there's violence towards vegetables, which is played up spectacularly. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's a movie where the, in the in the end the you know the people do the right thing and they they drive the the right guy out of town and they save Wallace and it's it's uh it's a movie uh, that's built on optimism and joy and inventiveness and that um mm-hmm. again we are we could certainly use all th- all three uh in, in the in in this day and age. <laughs> so with that having been said, you have been listening to Oscar watch. Thank you so much. You can reach us at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to send an email or a question, find us on social media at Oscar watch pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, find us on iTunes, subscribe review. It really helps. 
we appreciate it so much. Next week, we are moving from boundless, joyful optimism to, I think, the very complete opposite of that. 1986 Best Picture winner, Oliver Stone's Platoon. <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's a that's a that's a big 180 we got going on there. Whoo! I'm uh, that's I'm gonna have to I'm gonna prepare myself for that one. Definitely, most definitely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Matt, where can people find you if they want to read about your thoughts on films? You guys can find me on Instagram um, at movie underscore matinee with two T's. I try to do uh, movie reviews and other type stuff, uh, at least something a day. Post the Oscar watch stuff there. Um, speaking of earlier, I was talking about taking a long time to see um, Oscar-nominated films. I'm finally seeing, or I finally saw and reviewing um, Arrival this evening. That's, that's the movie I'm posting. Yeah. I was told by, told by several friends that I needed to see it, and that's like the ultimate way for me to not want to see the movie. Like, you, did you see Arrival? No, I didn't see it. You need to see it. All right, you know what? I'll tell you when I want to need to see a movie, buddy, but don't tell me I need to see something. <laughs> You're not the boss now, of me. I've been spiteful. I've waited a very, very long time. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, I, I've enjoyed it very much. I had lots of feels going on. So yes. I'll have that up tonight. And I just wanted to say a thank you to the uh, the uh, uh, listeners who sent the questions to us. That yes. Was really, that was really nice. And if we had some, had some more of those, um, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to have as a little side thing that we're doing, and I, I enjoy answering them. If, even if maybe we don't answer them as well <laughs> as we could, I'm probably going to think of really good answers after we're done. But thank you guys for for writing in. That was lovely. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, thank you, Al, and thank you, Gordon. We appreciate that. And again, if you want to write in just to say hi, ask us a question. By all means, hit us up on you know email or social media. We were glad to answer your questions live on air as it were um again once again i'm going to say it thank you so much for listening until next time we'll see you on the red carpet